The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. When life hands you a unique shift, what happens next? The gift is the shift. Welcome to The Sky's the Limit with your host, Karen Levitt. In our program, you will hear from people who have discovered the gift, whether through personal experience or those that are helping others through this experience. You'll find the next hour to be a motivating and encouraging one. Now, here is Karen Levitt. Hi, this is Karen Levitt. Thank you for joining me on The Sky's the Limit. And this week, my special guest is Tim Bransfield. And a little bit about Tim. On August 14, 2002, the world went dark for Tim. It was on a faded night that an automobile accident would put Tim in a coma for the next 60 days. Surrounded by his family and friends, those close to him hoped and prayed Tim would emerge from his coma and rejoin life. Tim did come out of his coma and was catapulted like millions of Americans into the new world of traumatic brain injury. And it is with that that I would like to warmly welcome my guest, Tim Bransfield. Hello, this is Tim. Hi, Tim. I'm so happy to have you here. So, wow, you you and I share so much, like like I read, like so many millions of Americans. And um, I want to go, if I can, back because before your accident on that night, uh, I don't know if you want to share, you know, what life was like for you, who you were, what you were doing. Well, I was the best baseball player in the state. I played at Fenway Park. When I was a senior, and uh, but I can't remember my senior, well, my lot of my life now, but a lot of things have come back because uh, all the brain therapy that I've had, a lot of memories have come back. I have, I sometimes have dreams mm-hmm. about my past, but I wake up and I never know if they're real or not because I don't know, I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So but you said you were... Brain, the- but all the brain therapy I've had from Dr. Diane mm-hmm. is her name. Um, she, uh, it's helped me get my memory back. Nice. It, it's, it, you know, it's, it's torture when you lose a piece of yourself and it's gone. And people, um, for, like for me, and I'm sure you went through this as well, people try to um, get you to come back. They try to use other pictures or talk to you and tell you stories and, that can be really frustrating when you really don't remember. You know, it's just horrible. Yeah. yeah. I came home, I saw all these awards and stuff that you I got. You said you were the best baseball player. What what team and what position did you play for? Because that's, you know, quite an honor. I played at Masco. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Masco and Hummet. And uh, I played shortstop my last two years in high school. That's awesome. So I played. You, I played third my first two years. Nice. So, sounds like you were an outstanding athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I tried, I tried to play basketball, but I kept breaking things. Oh, <laughs> well, that's not good. You know what's interesting, Tim, is you play baseball, right? 
So, yeah. you know, that's, um, there, it's contact. And I mean, you know, you're having baseballs pitched at you at a high rate of speed. And yeah, you wear a hard helmet. And it's interesting that you, like I, being an athlete as well, we didn't have injuries that took us out of a, of a sport that we loved. It was um, a car accident. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, how quickly your life can change? Yeah, I'm, I'm back playing. I can play. Fine. Really? I went to college and I played. I made the team at Wheaton College, the college I was going to mm-hmm. after high school, where I was going to be the starting shortstop as a freshman. Mm-hmm. But I, I, uh, my first at bat, I got hit in the head. <laughs> so I, I really, um, and then, so I, the coach on my way to first said, you're just a pitcher now. <laughs> so, and I, I'm six four. I have long arms, strong legs. So that was okay with me because, um, pitchers are, are better with, are easy. Easier to throw hard that way. Right, right. You've got the extension, too, because you're tall. You've, that's, you've, but that's, in fact, what made me leave Wheaton College. Because in the beginning of the second semester, mm-hmm. during morning running for pitchers, mm-hmm. I had a seizure. And then they looked at me as a liability. Ah. Uh. So I came home, and Wheaton College is a very expensive school. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't go back. I was pretty mad that I, cause I had doctor's permission and everything to stay. And, um, to, I mean, so, to go on the trip to Arizona with the team and they still wouldn't let me. So yeah, oh. like I just came home. I went back to Salem state. Mm-hmm. Cause I went there first and, um, to get ready to go to Wheaton college. Mm-hmm. But um, at the at the when I was there the second time, I just realized school wasn't for me. So, hmm. So if we can go back just a little bit. So, before your injury, you were sounds like a successful student, high school student, all around great baseball player, great athlete. You know, you had you had it all going on, right? And then yeah. you had your accident, and and you were in a coma. So, can I just what you know? What was that like? So you had your accident and you were thrust into this coma for 60 days. What was that like when you um, woke up? Um, if, you rem- uh, you know, if you remember. Yeah. I um, Well, actually, kind of. I don't remember too much. My mom said I thought I was in Florida when I woke up. I said something about my grandparents or something like that who uh-huh. lived in Florida. And then... Um, and I think I always thought the first memory I had was of the Parental Center right outside the hospital. And um, and then my mom, my mom told me I wasn't even on that side of the hospital. So really? it could have been like during therapy or something like that that I that I saw it. Oh, that's true. But, right? um, they... And then yeah, that hmm. the. And then I don't remember anything from the first two or three years home. You don't. So when you well, woke two, up in the two and a half the- years, because then when I was three years out of the hospital, um, I went to Salem State to take one course for one semester because um, my um, to get ready to go to Wheaton College. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And because what, I, I, I in high school, I was a two-year captain. I got my number retired mm. after I graduated oh. the first one. Oh. Went to Harvard and got drafted mm-hmm. by the Rockies. So he really? was my tutor when I went back to school for the first time. Hmm. It's pretty so, cool to have a Harvard grad pro ball player as your tutor, or semi pro ball player as your tutor every day. That's incredible. You know, as I recall, when you and I were talking before, um, before we decided to do this broadcast, you shared with me, and you just shared with the listeners that you you played at Fenway Park. But is it correct? Am I correct? You you don't really remember that, is that right? And you you actually no. someone so, showed you a video. What was that I like? I have for you? a video. And uh, when I watch it, um, yeah, what's that like? I, I used to tell, like, I think some memories came back the first time I watched it, but but really, it's I don't really think any memories came back because even when I go there, I don't remember. Hmm. Like when I go to Fenway Park for a game or something, uh-huh. I can't remember playing there. Really? Yeah, I went on hmm. the. Uh, on the brain injury. Yeah. Um, yeah, how um, did it change you, Tim? What? How how did it change you? You know, like I know, obviously, the memory issues, because I have that as well. Um, yeah. You know, but how did it change you, you know, aside from the coma? How, how think, are you different, if you will? Um, well, it didn't affect my physical ability at all. Well, not really. At first it did, because I had to, like, re- learn how to use my body again, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I, I wasn't as fast as I was. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't as coordinated. So, uh, um, with help from, I, I go to the gym every single day still. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was in the gym, I saw this poster of this guy, Peter Repis. He's a trainer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> And he helped me get my confidence, my coordination, my get me faster, mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. stuff to play shortstop. But then I got there and I became a pitcher. I know that's so cool. So, yeah. in, in, you know, you were such a successful shortstop that when they told you, or your well, yeah, your coach just told you for your own safety too that you were going to be a pitcher. What was that like? Like, you know, you had to go into this completely different. You know, position. You know, something yeah, it that, was, that it was yeah. different at first because hmm. I don't remember ever pitching except in Little League, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then I I remember um, helping like going in for relief from at, in high school a couple of games, but then I was told I was a pitcher in high school. Like I used to start games and stuff, but that's gone. I can't remember doing that. Really, but so to step into something, um, like I said, being a pitcher, you know, that wasn't your, you know, that wasn't where you were comfortable. Like I said, you, you owned the shortstop position, right? You were very yeah. successful. You were, as I, as I recall, two weeks away from going to Wheaton, and you were very successful. You were out with your friends, and then you had your accident. So you had it all going on. You know what I mean? You, you were very good, and um, yeah. I, I so what I'm getting is that. Um, you know, how resilient we are and how resilient you are. You, because of your love for the game um, and, you know, your passion, you just really wanted to be out there 
with with your team that you just sort of stepped into an, another position. Um, yeah, and it was uncomfortable at first, but you just stepped into that. And well, I think it wasn't really uncomfortable at first because I kind of knew it was going to happen. Okay. Because I mean, I'm tall. I'm like my strong legs, long arms that, uh, and I throw the ball hard and meet in college. Um, and my, like rep helped me get my coordination and my speed and everything back, but still it was not, it wasn't a hundred percent. So, uh, and I kind of knew that, that I was going to, that it was going to happen, but I never thought I would only last one semester there after I worked so hard to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you just said something that's so powerful, right? Everything we, we do or we did without really thinking, right? You said challenges. It, yeah. It's amazing, It's amazing, right? After yeah. you learn, learn your diagnosis and you did therapy like I did therapy and everything. <clears throat> I guess the, the world becomes a challenge. Like we have to relearn. And so you just spoke to that and... It's 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 powerful what we do with it, right? Our mindset. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I had to relearn everything. I saw pictures. I won Massachusetts Player of the Year when I was after my senior year, and uh, I, when I came home, when I came home from Middleborough Greenery, my first rehab I went to, I saw the award and all, and I would go, "Where did that come from?" But mm-hmm. I was excited to see it, but still I didn't really understand what it was. Really? Or where um, it came from. And then I saw pictures of me sitting at the at the table in my wheelchair because mm-hmm. my legs were so weak that my muscles in my legs didn't work and I couldn't and I and I couldn't walk. But no. that I wasn't in a wheelchair for long, just until I got my strength and my legs back. Yeah, it's so it's so frustrating though. You know, it's like um, that's I was wondering. You know, when you came out of your coma, you were in the hospital, and then you into a therapy, and then you learn about your injury. And I, I don't know if you want to talk about that. What, what that was like to learn, you know, your diagnosis. You know what I mean? Because and then they start you into therapy, and it's just it's so I call it a love hate relationship, right? And I know you can understand that. Huh? It. Therapy is like a love-hate relationship, you know? Yeah. I'm I grateful. More than you have, you more than you'll ever know. But, uh, yeah, it was essential, I guess, to me coming back. Yeah. But, so, oh. so what was that like, you know, learning, you know, the diagnosis that you had a traumatic brain injury? I mean, obviously, we know, you know, you know something's wrong. I knew something was wrong. And we can't even really, I couldn't verbalize it. I don't know if you could. But what was that like for you? Um, well, I came home I and mean, I lost a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and I just, every single day I was, I was at home wanting to like ask myself, why did this happen to me? But then, uh, and then I started thinking of all the people I met over the years and that should never have came to my, came to my mind because people, will never, ever get a second chance like I did. Right, and right. And I'm, like, blessed to wake up every day. I know, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. 
I know. It's, it's a lonely road because people don't understand. So you lost friends. Is it because they didn't understand? Because you, as they termed it, were kind of different and they didn't know, you know, they didn't really know, right? They don't know what to say. Yeah, then, they didn't understand. Yeah. And I, I always heard for myself, too, you know, because I, I was fortunate. Your injuries on the outside healed, it looks like, and mine healed. But the internal injury of our brain injury. So we look like you know, Tim and Karen that the world would know. And so people want to, I think, say something kind, right? So they tell you that yeah. you look good. They tell you that you look good, right? Yeah. Yeah, did did that frustrate you? Kind of. Like, what do they know about about what I went through, you know? It, when well, exactly. Tell me, when people yeah. tell me things, how it should feel and everything, it's so just it, like, you have no clue how I should feel. Exactly. Exactly. Because they can't see the injury. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, no, I still get that. And Tim, it looks like we're going to come up on a quick break. So I'm going to ask that you and the listeners stay with us and we'll be back momentarily. All right. Sounds Thank great. you. Sure. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, this is Karen Levitt. Welcome back to The Sky's the Limit. And this week I'm joined with Tim Bransfield. And uh, we're just going to pick right back up. So we were talking about our shared traumatic brain injury diagnosis it's an invisible injury and just um how it can be isolating and there's a disconnect because people don't understand so tim if we can get back into that because i think it's a powerful message to be shared because we're quick to judge a book by its cover in this world everybody's visual you know and and they don't see so i, I know my frustration if you'd like to speak some more to that i think that'd be great that's what my book is about. Show mm-hmm. everyone, not just about me, but show everyone that anything's possible no matter what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't, um, you shouldn't judge, like you said, judge a book by its color. Mm-hmm. Just uh, work hard and you can get anywhere you want. Yeah, but like I said, you know, I, I almost, I joke, I almost want to wear a Band-Aid on my forehead, Tim. That's it with, huh? the initials, with, the, with the initials TBI on it so people would understand. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and say, look, see, look a little closer. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And brain injury doesn't mean brain damage, right? Yeah. Because, no, yeah. No, it doesn't. No. And people are really quick to count you out. And you know what I find so interesting with you and like me and so many others is you're an athlete. And I, I don't know, um, but I think if you have that competitive edge kind of going into this, I yeah. think I think it gives us an extra boost. And I don't want to uh, demean or insult anybody who's listening, but I think if you've ever played a sport or had a competitive edge uh, that serves you. So do you, do you think being an athlete really served you to, to dig yeah, deep? Yeah, I think, I think it helped a lot because... It gave me that never quit attitude, which I've always had, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, it just it kept me going. Like there's no reason to give up, because my favorite, my my all time athlete is uh, is Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. My, my idol is Michael Jordan. He even said, giving up when he got cut from his high school team when he was a sophomore junior, mm-hmm. and uh, he and everyone told him to quit especially when he decided to go to North Carolina and play basketball. And he said, giving up is for losers. And I don't think anyone on this earth wants to be known as a loser. And that's my philosophy. That's powerful. Yeah. And so, yeah, so when you came home after rehab, what was life like for you? Because like I said, you lost some friends, you know, and you have a strong family, so they supported you. But what was that? What was life like? Because, you know, life after rehab, it can be interesting. Um. Well, I lost a lot of friends. Like, I sat at home every single day. I can remember in Topps Field, sitting on my chair in, my, in like, the, quote, TV room, in, like, mm-hmm. the living room or whatever, and, uh, and by myself every single day. Like, a few of my friends who went to um, North Shore Community College, which uh-huh. was right, actually, right down the street from my house, mm-hmm. and I uh, would come over sometimes, but... That didn't last very long. No. But um, since I I made it to Wheaton College and left, I made a lot of new friends at Wheaton College and uh, and since then. I helped coach the baseball team after I went, uh, before I went to Wheaton College and and I made uh, a friend there who's still one of my best friends. And, uh, and then I was in the hospital a few years ago to get my seizure medicine fixed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, these girls, Alex and Robin, came in to visit me. And uh, I'm I'm best friends with them now, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, you had um, a funny story about a girl you shared with me. That was really cute. Yeah. I forget exactly, but it was really cute. Oh, yeah, the Wicked Hawk girl. That's it, yeah, because my short term <laughs> From Wheaton College? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because yeah. when I was at Wheaton College, well, my memory, well, my memory will always be bad, but when I was at Wheaton College, I carried around a book with me to write down everyone's name. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I also, well, not I didn't, I decided to do this myself because then I wrote something about them next to their name so I remember who they are. Right. And uh, this one girl... Um, Gabby, I'll remember for the rest of my life because I don't remember anyone I wrote down. Obviously, that was so many years ago, but I'll remember Gabby for the rest of my life just because of what she had me write down next to her name. I'll know her forever as the Wicked Hot Girl. <laughs> Did yeah. she write that next to her name? 
Oh, definitely. That's what she she asked me what I thought of her, and that's what she said. Right. That's cute. That's funny. That is so We're funny. Doing. Really. <laughs> that's kind of sweet. Yeah. So, so she was like a friend at Weed College. Some other people at college. Weed College is a very expensive school, and a lot of kids are stuck up, and and so like a lot of people didn't understand. The mm-hmm. way I talked and the way I acted sometimes, I guess. They didn't right. understand um what I was doing or how how to how to react mm-hmm. like to me. Mm-hmm. But um but like Gabby and a bunch of my ba- a bunch of my baseball teammates have uh helped me get helped me get through that one semester over there, well one semester in a couple weeks. Like, hmm. um, you know, okay. <clears throat> and I'm um, like, a, my baseball, um, when I helped coach Masco, my high school, uh, my friend Alan, who became my best friend, um, I took him on a trip to Costa Rica mm-hmm. because my uncle owned a, owned a castle in Costa Rica or like a villa. Okay. And, and um, <laughs> I took him. He had us laughing the whole time, and uh, well, laughing at him, I guess you'd say. And um, he was, yeah, he was a perfect choice to bring. Was he? Yeah. I don't want to. I don't really want to say what happened because. Oh no, that's okay. That's but, okay. Yeah. But that's yeah, funny. I've had many idols who on my mm-hmm. who uh, who've helped me. Um. Who's who felt me come back this far? Mm-hmm. Actually, old and new. Like Michael Jordan will always be my lifelong idol. I'm sorry, who was that? Uh, who? Why? I'm sorry, you said your lifelong idol. Who was that besides Michael, Michael Jordan? Jordan? Ah, Michael Jordan. He. I mean, I'm sure he's many people, many people's idols, but I mean, he is really my driving force. He was my driving force to get where I am today, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he will. He helps me get to where I want to be. Yeah, because you you definitely you know have come back, if you will, from you know waking up from your coma. You've come back, and you certainly um, you, know, you have a I new you have, a, I, you have a new appreciation for life. You know, and you you live yeah, fully. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I woke up two inches taller, and I lost forty pounds. Really. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. My dad says, "My dad says, quote, I told your mother not to, but she said he's sleeping. He won't feel it, and she put you in the rack." <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, you're pretty tall, out. huh? You know, you said you're you're pretty tall. You're over six feet tall, so I don't know. I mean, a couple more inches is, yeah. You're what you said. You're six four, right? Yeah, around there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you tower over me. I'm only five two, so you know. Like, I want to ask, what was it like? Dad, my, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> my dad is six six, and uh, my cousin Brian is six nine. Holy, okay. So you have height definitely in your family. Yeah, but yeah, I don't really like how my cousin Brian is so tall because I always say I'm supposed to be the tall one. My dad is my dad is tall. No one else in the family is tall except my dad, and I should be the tall one. Hmm. Yeah. That's funny. It skipped over. Went to a cousin. 
That's funny. So I wanted just to go back and ask him because, um, like I said, since you've you know had your coma and were really fortunate and grateful to wake up, you you lived on, you live on purpose. You know, you really live in fully. What was it like for you to go back? Um, you know, to take college courses because I can't even imagine. I mean, it's difficult for me right now to read and understand. Um, math is not even in the world of my possibility. So what was that like to go back to school? It was weird at first, like sitting in a, sitting in a classroom and having people around me, like, and asking questions about like history and, and math and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I had a tutor because oh, I did was you? a two-year captain on my baseball team. I already said this, didn't I? Hmm. Hello. What was that? Because did I already talk about my two-year captain and and, and uh, number retired thing? Right, you did mention that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he was my tutor, the first one, so okay. uh, he helped me through that. And then, um, and then Michael Jordan, like my idol, kept pushing me, and uh, my baseball coach from high school pushed me the whole way too. I mean, really? What he what he taught me on and off the field in high school helped me uh, helped me get through the four years. That um, even though it's hard for me to remember high school, for some reason I remember his class the most. I took his class when I was a junior. Mm-hmm. It was a philosophy class. Okay. And, um, and uh, yeah, I just, I remember sitting in that class more than anything. Because <clears throat> you had to read books that, like, really made you think about life and, like, what's important in life and stuff. Uh-huh. Not uh-huh. just about, a, like, a character in a, in a story or anything like that. Exactly. Have you ever read the book Tuesdays with Maury? I have. Yeah. I have before yeah. my accident, and you know what? I don't really remember it now. I'm sorry, but I remember the title. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's about some uh, old man who is dying. He knew mm-hmm. he was dying, but he kept on like loving life because he knew he affected so many others. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, um, I mean, I was dying, but. Uh, I want to affect everyone who reads my book and everyone who hears me talk when I mm-hmm. go out and do motivational speaking. Right. I want to affect everyone. I've mm-hmm. done one motivational speech at Masco. Miss Solani helped me get uh, get me that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm trying to get more. I've been emailing schools like crazy every single mm-hmm. night. You know, I think they come. High schools, colleges. Mm -hmm. They come when we're ready, yeah. You know, and so it's interesting. So that book, right, Life with Maury and Michael Jordan's quote, kept you going. Because I think you have similar, I I don't really like the word issues. I'll say symptoms. Do you have the the, the headaches and all of that and, like, the dizziness at times and all? Do you have that? I think that you do. Uh, Sometimes. I mean, not really anymore. Okay. It's weird that I, well, actually, no, still, yeah, sometimes I do feel dizzy and, and like, weird, I guess you can say. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, like, I'm, like, I, I can't, I don't want to move my head. The world is spinning around you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just so have I just, to, like, sit down, 
when I'm at the gym or if, or something like that, if I feel like the uh, the room spinning, I mm-hmm. just sit down on a bench and just wait a couple minutes, and then it stops. Nice, yeah. But hmm, you know what I find really interesting that you when through everything, like I said, you realize your your passion was still the same. Your love for the game of baseball. And you really wanted to go back. Yeah, I mean, I had to. If I didn't, if I didn't work to come back, I wouldn't want to do anything. Really? uh, Like Michael Jordan said, quitting is for losers, and I wasn't about to quit. Mm Mhm. But you said if you didn't do it, you wouldn't come back. What? What do you mean? I wouldn't have worked so hard to come back, like with my brain therapy and stuff. Uh huh. I wouldn't have worked so hard at that. Like, actually, I complained every single time my mother took me to uh, took me to see her, but uh-huh. um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really have done it. I would have just stayed in bed and said no. Mm-hmm. If I mm-hmm. if I wasn't focused on playing the game I love. Right. Yeah. I think that's where I was getting at. I think that you know having sort of an athletic background. Um, Lends to, lends to resilience. You know, I, I mean, we're all resilient, but I think having that competitive edge just gives you another layer. So I, I find that you're extremely yeah. resilient. Yeah, you bounce yeah. back. No pun intended, right? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Definitely. I mean, so, you have to find it in yourself if something bad happens to, like, to bounce, to uh, get back and and work at it and try, try again. So what would you say to someone who might be listening, who maybe doesn't have a strong support system or a big family, you know, and it's, they feel alone. What would you say to them? Um, you have to find it in yourself to do it. Okay. Because I, mean, didn't have, I don't have a, like my mother is my biggest supporter, but mm-hmm. that's about it. I mean, yeah. Um, I'm a hot girl. <laughs> yeah. I'm a wicked hot girl. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think everything happens for a reason and uh, yeah. it's up to people to figure out it's up to everyone to figure out what that reason is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you yeah, work hard to go get it yeah it just, it just doesn't sometimes come easily and you know with that was like for me as a double edged sword and I don't know if it was for you but um, you mentioned the isolation so with that can come some really deep depression you know based on the loss of who yeah. we were. Yeah, yeah, so I know we want to touch on that briefly, you know. Well, like, like the loss of, what do you mean? Well, you know, so you were saying, you know, you were encouraging people to dig deep and go after what is theirs to do. And, you know, there's a double-edged sword. Um, I I hear you, and I went through that myself, but also I experienced deep depression and isolation where, like you said, I could just lay in bed you know, and not do anything. So what would you tell someone who may be listening who's battling through, you know, the deep depression of it, who who can't even put their feet on the ground to even begin to you dig? You have to find something that makes you get up. Mm-hmm. Like a, a reason to get up every day. Mm-hmm. Not just like either sports-wise or anything like that makes you want to get up and be successful and, and uh, and either family or job or anything mm-hmm. makes you want makes you don't want 
Like I, I don't think um, caring what other people is is really. I really don't care what other people think of me mm-hmm. because uh, it's my own life, and uh, people can put me down as much as they want. But I always think what I'm doing is right, so um, mm-hmm. so I just do it. And I, I went mm-hmm. to a three town high school in Masco and uh it was I was so popular when I was a senior because I was the best baseball player in the state. I had a beautiful girlfriend and everything was going my way. And then when I got out of the hospital, boom, mm-hmm. everyone left. All my good friends were from were from other towns, were from the two other towns. Right. And and they all just said, Oh, you're not cool anymore. See? So um, we don't we don't like you. We're not like we don't want to hang out with you anymore. Well, because you're different actually, to them. That has actually changed over the years because I've I've gained a lot of friends back. I've made a lot of friends back, mm-hmm. and um, well, I know I've gained a lot of friends, and I've made a lot of friends again who are friends now. But nice. just kind of we separated after high school. But I think that's what everyone does. You know, people separate after high school. I mean, yeah, high school is one thing. But then when you college is another and you move on, you make new friends. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Yeah, you grow. You grow, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. So, Tim, it looks like we're going to come up on a quick break, okay? So I'm going to okay. ask you yourself and the listeners to stay with us we'll be back in a moment thank you all right friend us on facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world voice america empowerment follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at voice america trn the voice america talk radio network We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, this is Karen Levitt. Thank you for joining Sky's Limit. And I, with my guest, Tim Bransfield. And Tim was going to share another powerful quote that he has in Tim. So um, you mentioned something during the break. You have another powerful quote that keeps you motivated. What is that? You have to expect things from yourself before you can do them. Michael Jordan again. Wow. I like that. Because, I mean, if you don't expect things from yourself, why would you expect anyone else to to uh, to expect things from you mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or believe in you? 
Like if you don't believe in yourself, why would you expect anyone else to believe in you? Hmm. Very true, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I have a question for you. So since everything happened, you went to college, you went back playing baseball, and you um, really resonate with Michael Jordan. And thank you. These The quotes are so powerful, and they really keep you motivated. You had a vision or thought to write a book. Um, yeah, what, well... Yeah, what was that like, the process? When I came home from college, I was thinking, um, no one's going to hire someone with a brain injury, no college degree. Mm -hmm. And uh, then my baseball coach from high school, he wrote a book, A Walk with Damon. Okay. And then my mom's best friend, Val, she was 89 years old, and she wrote a book. I'm not really sure what that one is called. But... um, and then I thought to myself, I kind of want to do something not too many people have and, and got to a place afterwards not too, not too many people have gotten to. Okay. Who went through what I have or, or went through anything, anything that changed their life. Mm-hmm. And so I want, cause I want to inspire people. That's always been my goal to, uh, to do motivational speaking after, uh-huh. after my brain injury. And, um, to, to like inspire people and so this book writing a book and, and telling about my story telling people how hard it was how hard it can be mm-hmm. um and how people can overcome the toughest things possible mm-hmm. we can give other people hope that they can they can overcome things too yeah because your book took you a long time to write did it not i mean how, how long did it take you um well, I, I started writing chapter titles in like 2009, and uh-huh. then um, like a few, um, um, what was it, like a year after I left college, and then um, and then I and it took six years to uh, to find uh-huh. a good editor, mm-hmm. and um, and finally get it done. Wow. And you, I mean, there's some difficulty, right? Because of your memory, I know you were writing some things exactly, over and over. Yeah. My memory, I kept having to like yell down to my mom downstairs, Ma, this happened. At, like this, who did I meet when I went here? What happened mm-hmm. then? Because mm-hmm. she, she knows more than I do. Just because her memory is perfect and well. When we talked, she was actually helping you, right? To edit? Yeah. Well, she actually, yeah, she first helped me edit it at first because it took so long. She because it took so long to find a good editor to mm-hmm, find mm-hmm. David. But um, right. But actually, one other reason I chose to write it was from all the people I met over the years who will never get a second chance like I did. Yeah, you know, and that's what like, I was going to ask. What What did you learn through the process about of writing your book? What has it taught you? Like at my first rehab I went to, Middleborough Greenery, um, I can't remember too much of that, but I will always remember my friend Ronnie from there. Uh-huh. He, he was in a car accident like mine, but is he's now in a wheelchair probably for the rest of his life. Mm. And um, mm. he has a brain injury and he's paralyzed. And um, yeah, no, I understand. he will never get a second chance like, like I yeah. did or like... Anymore, or like we did, you know. 
Yeah, no, I know. I, I can relate because I came marginally close in my injury. I have a compression fracture in my neck, and they said if my um, chin had gone to my chest in the car that night that my neck would have snapped and or been a quadriplegic. So yeah, I am. I actually went through the side windshield somehow. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, mean, so I was 6'2 at the time, 180 pounds. I don't know how I fit through the side windshield. Like the passenger side windshield, like passenger side window. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know how I could fit through that, but somehow I did. Yeah, I I, I like to think that someone was looking out for you yeah, and, and no, found yeah, a passageway for you. To... Definitely. Yeah, and uh, another, well, this was after I after I wrote it, but my friend Pat from high school, uh-huh. he was in, um, he was in Colorado one night and, um, on his way home in the airport and uh, was messing around on the escalator and fell back 20 feet. Oh. And this was in 2006. And he woke up in 2007, I think. And he mm-hmm. still can't walk. He's still oh. he's horrible. I feel so bad for him and his family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like they have to see him like that every day. And he used to be right. a big time. He used to be a big soccer athlete, went to college mm-hmm. and played soccer. And stuff, mm-hmm. and then, and then that happened. It's horrible. Yeah, it, but yeah, the whole the whole process is ha- horrible. Like I said, I don't I don't recommend the way I did it either. I went through a, a windshield, uh, through a dashboard. I don't recommend that either. I, <laughs> you know, none none of it's pretty, right? Yeah, none of yeah. it's pretty. I mean, yeah. I want to show people. I, I want to hmm? show people how one mistake can change the rest of your life. Yeah, and, and is that the message in your book, Tim? Huh? Is that the message in your book? What What is the underlying message in your book? Um, it's pretty much, well, work hard um, to get what you want and don't listen to any negativity because negative, you have to let it all fly away, all the negativity. That's something my grandfather taught me. Okay. Let all, let all negativity fly away. Like, see it as a balloon and let it fly away. Hmm. Because that, that was... Um, a great visual that he that uh that he that is, he gave me. Yeah, that is a great visual. So, is your book for somebody with a brain injury? Is your book for someone in the family? You know, like a support system, or you know, what? How how would you what what would you say? I was my book is for everyone who doesn't think they can do something, and and who wants to do something but doesn't think they can. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Who, who works hard for what they want, but just but just can't get it because they don't want it. Or if they quit because they think it's too hard. Uh-huh. I say to people, you know nothing about what hard is. Right. You know? I mean, really. Like, exactly. I, I mean, yeah, I had it hard, but I don't have it hard anymore. But some people have it hard for the rest of their lives. Right, and right. And they can't do anything about it. Right. Like you said, your friends, you know, who, yeah. They're they're not mobile and they're in a wheelchair and or not in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or yeah, totally brain dead or both. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, well, so so your book serves is is basically inspirational, motivational for everybody, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, your, I, uh, your book. It, I want it to teach everyone how like never give up, stay positive, and mm-hmm. and be. Be yourself, I guess, because 
Only, only you know what's best for you. Don't say any mm-hmm. negativity, like I, like I said before. So what did, what do you think? Like I said, I, I always say the gift is a shift. For me, when I shifted my outlook and started to look at things differently, my perspective, my attitude, then I found yeah. the gift, what I was meant to do. Like I said, I'm writing my book. I'm speaking of the show here, which I'm grateful to share with everyone. That's sort of my gift. So can I ask, what, what do you think is your gift through all of this? Um, you know, because it's kind of my a hard way to is, get a gift, right? I don't think I've ever been afraid to talk in front of people. Uh-huh. I'm, but um, maybe that's my gift to uh, to show people, to teach people how to work hard, how to uh, to get what you want. Could be okay. in sports, could be in business, could be any, could be in anything. Right. So there's no reason to give I- up. There's no reason to stop working hard either, because you think it's too hard, or, or someone tells you that that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You have to let it all fly away. Right. So, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. So don't let a circumstance, a situation, or diagnosis define you, right? Always always reach for more. Is that what, that what, you, that's what your message is? Yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. That's powerful. Because if you sit on your ass and do nothing, I mm-hmm. mean, you're not going to get anywhere. Hmm. But if you get up and you work hard every day, I mean, that so, will get you somewhere. What would you say to someone who might be listening who maybe doesn't know what they want to do? They don't have a vision. Like, you know, they don't even have a clue. What would you, how would you, you know, what do you say? Well, it depends on what they want to do. And, and, um, mm-hmm. like, you have to have an idea of what you want to do because it can't just come to you. Right. Like, that right. was for me, too. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Like I said, mm-hmm. who's ever, like I thought, who is ever going to hire someone with no mm-hmm. with a brain injury, no college degree, like mm-hmm. nothing but like McDonald's maybe, or like a small minimum wage job. Mm-hmm. But um, I kept working for it, and I when I decided to write this book, um, everyone told me no one's going to buy that. I mean, you know how many books on brain injuries there are out there? A lot. I yes, my I do. Book was, <laughs> My book is different because it shows, because it's, it's not about a brain injury. It's about my life, and it shows how I came back. It shows my, because um, I was an athlete, and uh, how mm-hmm. I came back, how I worked hard, how I did everything I could to get to where I am today. I, right. Well, brain therapy helped me, help my athletic skills, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were talking and, uh, about that. Yeah, biofeedback. My, my brain talked to my body again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, it's, I, my book will help will help a lot of people. That's beautiful. And the title of the book is A Life Interrupted, and it's available at alifeinterrupted.org. And dot it's available. Net, dot net. Oops. Excuse me. Thank you so much. Dot net. Thank you. A life interrupted. Dot net. It's available paperback for sixteen ninety five, and Kindle for seven ninety five on Amazon. Dot com. And it's um, yeah. I'm looking forward to actually really being able to read it 
reading is not something that I can do well. So I've been able to catch bits and pieces of it, Tim. I really look forward to being able to get into this book. And um, I just want to ask, what what do you see for yourself in the future? I, uh, well, I, I want it. I mean, everyone wants to get married and live happy, happy with someone, I guess. So um, that's, that's, um, that's my goal, too. I want to get married, have a family. But it's been very hard to find someone I want to be, well, who wants to, who I want to be with and who wants to be with me. Because, mm-hmm. um, because of my brain injury, I mean, I sometimes say the wrong things or, or, right. do, or do something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but anyone who is, who doesn't want to be with me for that isn't worth my time anyway. Right. Right. Cause they don't so, see you for you. You know, you, you're more than yeah. just maybe an, an oops, um, as I like to say it, because some things just slide out, you know. Yeah, that's the beauty of the frontal lobe injury, right? No filter. Sometimes it yeah. just slides right out. And yeah. 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 I mean, that's not the worst thing, but you would like to think that you'd find someone who would really care about you for you Me. wholly and completely because you have a lot to offer. You're you're a great guy. So, what do you see, you know, after the book, what do you see for yourself? Um well, like I said, I want to find a girl yeah, and, um, I was 31. My brother got married a couple of years ago. My, uh, all my friends are married and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to like follow in anyone's footsteps, but, um, like, um, but I want to, I want to, I don't know. I just, I want to start a family and raise children mm-hmm. and, uh, and I actually, I want to move down south because I, right now I live in Matt Boston, mm-hmm. but, um, I, uh, I, my mom and I, we went down to, uh, North Carolina earlier on this year and, uh, everything is so cheap down there. It's like compared to up here, it's like, it's disgusting. Yeah. So it looks like we're coming to the close, Tim, and I'd always like to ask, one tidbit or takeaway that you'd like to share with the listeners from our conversation, what would that be? Well, like my, my, actually my entire life has shown work hard and never give up. You'll get what you want. Nice. And I just want to reiterate where you can reach Tim and his book is called a life interrupted and dot. Yeah. Dot and go net. to a life, www.alifeinterrupted.com. Dot net, and you, you can order it off Amazon, too. Correct. If you go and to can, buy a book, it's, you can get it off Amazon. Correct. And they can contact you there as well. So, Tim, I want to thank yeah. you so much for being my guest and the listeners thank for staying. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome, and the listeners. And I want to tell everyone I'll see you next week on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for The Sky's the Limit. Karen Levitt looks forward to having you tune in for another program next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, the gift is the shift.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.